Hello, fight fans. Happy, happy Monday. Welcome to a new fresh week. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. And welcome to episode 349 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero. And uh, we'll be talking about a lot of stuff in this episode, including a good old rant. I hope you guys are ready for that. Got a rant on this zone thing, man. zone raising the rent and um, not even apologizing for it and not really reading the room in terms of the response from the customers. And I think that's going to hurt them. So um, we'll talk about that in detail. And then, of course, uh, we'll review two fantastic fights this last weekend, uh, entertaining, action-packed fights that ended in knockouts. And then we'll preview this weekend's schedule. Not a whole lot going on this weekend. Some more um, Jake Paul stuff to talk about. But uh, we'll do all that, all right? Uh, so TNC 349, as always, I remind you guys, please make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, not just here on YouTube if you're watching the live video right now, but if you're listening to the audio pod, as most of you do, uh, make sure that you're subscribed on those podcast platforms around the world. Look for me. Search for Michael Montero, the neutral corner Montero on boxing. You'll find me. Uh, make sure you're subscribed and you're leaving ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Those things help. And guys, the fee for this show is simple. It's non-monetary. I just ask you spread the word. We do a totally organic word of mouth thing here. I'm an independent operator and I need you to spread the word about the show. So pay the fee. And that's something I need you guys to do every week. All right, just let people know about the show and share. And feel free to share clips of the show, audio stuff, whatever. All right, feel free to share. Um, just get the word out. All right, so let's uh, let's get right into this, man. Because um, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to rant on this for, for a, a few minutes. You guys are going to have to bear with me. and. Um, I should mention, just for those of you who who don't know, the uh, zone recently announced. I think it was was it last Thursday or Friday. I can't remember exactly. All the days are blurring together. They uh, sent an email out to their customers in the United States and announced a price increase uh, for really whether you do the monthly service or the the annual. But the the big thing was the annual. Uh, it went from $150, and now it's going to be $225. And I think this increase is effective next month, sometime in March. I don't remember the exact date. So this is a 50% jump, right? Because it went up $75. Obviously, that's half of $150. So that's a 50% that's a jump. And this follows a 50% increase last year. And also breaking the promise of death to pay-per-view last year. So within the last year, there have been two 50% increases, which ultimately means a 125% increase from the original $100 uh, a year annual uh, price tag for the annual subscription, I should say. Um, 125% increase and pay-per-view, right? And um, there they sent an email and, and I could show you guys the emails. I'm not going to do all that and read the whole email. You, you guys have seen this anyway, right? If you're a diehard boxing degenerate like myself, which you have to be if you're watching this show, uh, you, you've probably seen the email going around. There's been a bunch of screenshots of it. But they break down in there like three different plans you could do. And like all of them pretty much end up being the same thing. It's basically around $20 a month. And there's no fine print anywhere that says this will be locked in for 
a number of years, or um, you know, you get a free pay-per-view voucher, one pay-per-view voucher a year with this subscription. Like, there's nothing like that. There's there's no like throwing the the, the customer a bone. It's just, hey, we're jacking this up fifty percent. Here you go. That's it. Meanwhile, here in the United States, I, I know there are economic problems around the world, but I'm I'm specifically talking about the United States right now, guys. And I. Most of my audience is overseas, and I know that a lot of you guys in different markets, the price has been jacked up for you as well, so I empathize, okay? Um, but, I mean, to, to detail all the different price increases in every market, I'd be ranting for hours. So I'm specifically talking about the United States one, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's relatable for all you guys everywhere, okay? But here in the United States, um, from you know, 2021, 2022, going into 2023, we had we've had recently record high gas prices, um, like terrible inflation. The value of the dollar has dropped significantly. So unless you've gotten like a 10, 15 percent raise at your job the last couple of years, you're actually making less money today than you were making in 2020, 2021 even. Um, so so we're having major economic issues in this country Hundreds of millions of people in this country are suffering economically. Only a very small percentage have, are doing better than they actually were a couple of years ago. The middle class and the working class, and that is the largest customer base of boxing in, in most sports, if we're being honest, uh, has taken the hardest hit, as always happens during these times. And you're going to increase now with all that going on? It's really, really hurt the brand of the zone. And all I'm trying to do here, guys, is keep the same energy that I've had when I've criticized other platforms. And I get accused of being biased, but you know, the protectors of whatever platform, they never pay attention when I go after other guys. This is an example of where I'm I'm taking it right to the zone. This is 100 percent on them. And um, I gotta keep the same energy. I've criticized. PBC Showtime, plenty on the show. I've criticized top rank ESPN, plenty on this show. And uh, I got to go after DAZN. And that includes, obviously, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom. That includes Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy. There are some other promotional outfits that work on DAZN, but those are the two major ones. Um, and yeah, everyone's included in this rant. So I posted a tweet Friday after getting the email. In full disclosure, um, my wife does all the subscriptions, you know, for like Netflix, Hulu. She handles all that crap. So she actually got the email. And I think it was Friday morning. She, she, you know, we're drinking our morning coffee, feeding our daughter, you know, starting our day. And she's, she says, Mike, look at this. And, and sent me the email, forwarded it to me. And we talked about it. And we had a discussion. We had a very frank discussion about, is this worth the price anymore? I wasn't, we weren't even talking yet about the slap in the face. Okay. It was just, is the value there for this anymore? Honestly, is it worth us paying $225 going forward? And we talked about it and we decided that it wasn't at this present time with everything we're, I'm dealing with in my life and what we've got going on. It is not worth it to pay that at, at the current rate of service that we're get be, that we're receiving from the DAZN uh, platform. It's not worth it. And, and let me tell you this, guys, 
here in the United States, you know, there's the three-headed monster. You've got uh, ESPN, you've got Showtime, and Fox really doesn't do boxing anymore unless it's an occasional pay-per-view, so I don't even mention them anymore. It's ESPN, Showtime, DAZN. Well, just to subscribe to those three platforms, okay, uh, keep in mind, ESPN is not free. It is a, it's called basic cable, but you're paying for it with your basic cable package. So maybe it breaks down to five or $6 a month, but there is a fee for your ESPN. It's not free. So for ESPN and the ESPN plus app for Showtime, which is premium cable that comes with a premium charge and for the zone subscription collectively there, you're talking about $500 a year now. Okay. Just to be subscribed to those platforms. And some of you will say, well, Mike, on, on DAZN, you get darts and you get, you know, all these other great sports. I, that's not why I'm subscribing to it. Mike, on ESPN Plus, you can watch women's JV volleyball. You know, South Missouri, Texas Tech, they're playing each other. I don't give a flying F. I subscribe for the boxing. Mike, on Showtime, you can watch all these great woke shows. I don't give a shit. I subscribe for the boxing. So, $500 a year to subscribe to those platforms. And and there's no telling if we get another price hike next year. ESPN Plus went up last year. Maybe they'll go up again soon. Maybe they'll go up next year. Maybe DAZN's going to increase from $225 to $300. So there's that. And it doesn't include pay-per-view. And Really, PBC is the worst offender here. They're doing almost a monthly pay-per-view since the pandemic, since the COVID pandemic. It's been almost monthly. Definitely every other month, they're doing pay-per-views over there. It's ridiculous. ESPN will do one or two a year. DAZN will do one or two a year when Canelo fights. So collectively, to if you buy, just in theory, if you're a boxing degenerate and you buy every pay-per-view and you subscribe to the platforms so you never miss a fight, it's about $1,200 a year now, okay? That's about $100 a month. That's seriously expensive. That's ridiculous. When I can subscribe, when I can literally pay for HBO, not that I love, look, I don't subscribe to HBO anymore, it's shit, but I'm just saying if I wanted to, I could subscribe to HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. Those platforms, I think, what is it now? There's um. What's the one with a uh, uh, really popular? Sh uh, I can't think of it all. Uh, not, not Paramount. So there's another one. Anyway, those platforms are cheaper now than DAZN. I could I could subscribe to HBO right now. I could sign up for a year of HBO, and it's cheaper than a year of DAZN. My Netflix, my Amazon is cheaper than DAZN. How the hell do you wrap your brain around that? How do you wrap your brain around that? So Friday, I posted a tweet. And this tweet went viral. I'm going to share my screen here. And I'll read it for those of you listening to the audio pod, because I'd say about 90% of this, the audience of this show is, is, is audio listeners, not, uh, not on YouTube. It's only a small portion of you guys that watch the vid. So um, those of you watching, obviously, you can see this. But for, for those of you who are listening, I'll read this. I tweeted this on Friday. I tweeted, the new $225 annual price tag for DAZN is ridiculous. It jumped up 50% last year, and now another 50% coming next month. On top of that, we're still getting charged extra to watch Canelo. 
I have been a loyal subscriber since the launch, but this is too much. I'm out. Hashtag boxing. And I did include a screenshot uh, from the email. I didn't put the whole email in here, but I just wanted to show. Oh, and this has the date. Um, this is the actual message, right? I'm, I'm sure a bunch of you guys saw this too. Where I'm just validating this price. And it goes, um, it is effective March 18th, 2023. So literally less than a month from now, okay? It's going to go up to $225 a year. Now, here's the biggest part of this. Um, right here. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. This tweet has currently over 88,000 views. Over 88,000 people saw this tweet, okay? So I know that it's popular now for people to rant on social media, like I'm canceling this app and they'll, you know, they'll tag Delta. They'll, they'll hashtag Delta. Delta service was shit. I'll never fly Delta again. Hashtag Delta, right? And it looks like this passive aggressive um, temper tantrum, you know, and I get it. A lot of you guys are annoyed by posts like that. I see that stuff and I think it's kind of petty too. That's not what this post was. I wasn't going for that. You'll notice I did not at or mention DAZN. I did not hashtag DAZN. I wasn't even including them in this. I, I mentioned them, but I don't, you know, tag them in the post. Nothing like that. This was not me trying to get attention from them. This was me expressing a legitimate gripe as a guy that has been on board since day one because I believed in the product. I thought, man, this has real potential. I like where they're going with this. They've made several mistakes, though. This is actually the fourth strike, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. This is the fourth slap in the face from the zone, and it's just one too many. Um, so there are some of you out there that have did respond, and some DM me. I got some of the, I guess, the zone protectors came after me. Just every group now has the unpaid interns, as I call them, that have to protect their spiritual leader, whether it's Al Heyman or Eddie Hearn or, you know, the folks at the zone, the folks at Showtime, Steven Espinoza, whoever. And some of the unpaid interns from the zone came after me, DM me and said, why do this, Mike? Do you really think the zone cares? Do you think they care if you unsubscribe? They're going to march on forward. I get it. Boxing is going to march forward with or without me, but trust me, they care. And they noticed this tweet. The guys at the zone and these other platforms, some of the people do follow me, some of the people, and some of the people do interact with me on Twitter and in, in, per, in personal life. I'm friends with several of these guys and we talk and stuff, but a lot of them can't publicly follow me because uh, I don't go to the political rallies they go to and I don't hang out in the parties and in the circles that they hang out in. And it's bad for them in their life because everyone they surround themselves with is a judgmental prick. It's going to be bad for their image to publicly talk with me and follow me and stuff like that, right? Because of what I embody and symbolize in their bigoted, weak minds. So they may not follow me publicly, but oh shit, do they watch me? Oh shit, do they listen to me and read my stuff? Oh yeah, I know that. I can't tell you guys how many times I've gotten DMs, emails, texts, calls. From people saying, yo, Mike, there's an email going around at X such and such network about you. Yo, Mike, such and such executive over here is really pissed off at you. 
They shared your tweet. It's going around. I've that's happened so many times. I can't even count. Okay. I know what happened here. Check this out today, seven hours ago, who responds to my tweet? None other than DAZN Boxing. They didn't respond Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. They respond today after they got slaughtered on social media all weekend. There was probably a meeting, some phone calls, some emails, and a list of viral tweets. And my tweet went viral, right? You guys saw the numbers. Um, and it wasn't the only one. There's several. There's several, okay? Um, but mine was on a list that went around and it was like, okay, Mr. Intern over here, respond to these people and let them know the, the great package we're offering, right? So this is what the zone says to me. Hi, US fans can also enjoy 50 plus boxing events, plus nonstop access to top sporting events and competitions innovative leagues, and 24-7 channels from a multitude of sports, including boxing, MMA, wrestling, men and women's soccer, extreme sports, motorsports, golf, and more. Okay, that is some canned, copy-paste, corporate bullshit, right? My tweet was very personal. It wasn't vicious. It wasn't mean. I wasn't saying, I hope the zone fails and they all burn in the in purgatory for a thousand years. Like it was nothing like that. It was it wasn't mean or vicious. It was just me stating a gripe, a legitimate gripe as a consumer. And I'm not just a regular consumer. I'm a guy with a certain amount of influence in the boxing community. My social media following collectively over all the platforms is 40 to 50,000. Okay. So when I do talk about things. It does move the needle a little bit. I'm not saying my profile's big. It's it's small, but it's enough to where, yeah, I can influence things. I've seen betting lines change after my show. I've seen uh, testing, drug testing get added to fights after I bitched and complained and got people talking about it. So look, this response is indicative of the issue here. And that's why my my original tweet, I didn't hashtag the zone. I hashtagged boxing. This is about boxing. It's about the zone, but it's about boxing, right? Their response shows that I'm pretty much just being dismissed and ignored. Talk about not reading the room. Talk about not getting it. The responses to the zone's response are awesome. I'm not even going to read all the responses you guys have sent, but they're pretty great. My boy, Steve Kim retweeted their tweet and said, I'm just here for the comments, LOL. Right. It, because a lot of you guys, your comments have been brilliant on this. Um, but I wanted to share this tweet and the corporate response. Again, this is what they're saying publicly. Now behind the scenes, they're saying all sorts of nasty shit, <laughs> but this is what, you know, they put out publicly. Okay. Um, let me talk about the what I call the four strikes against the zone. And then I'm going to get back to the email and I'm going to give a little unsolicited advice to the zone, but also all the other platforms out there. I'm going to give a little unsolicited advice because you guys are not reading the room. And I'm going to include like Steven Espinoza, the guys at Showtime, all the people who personally attack me and guys like me. 
Um, instead of like doing that, you, you should really maybe change your frame of mind and take a different approach going forward. We'll talk about that. But first, uh, let's see, just real quick re uh, review of the zone. I think it started in what, late 2017 with the World Boxing Super Series. That's when it really started kicking off in boxing. Uh, and then Canelo came on in late 2018 against Rocky Fielding. And then uh, Triple G came on in 2019, I think late 2019 against Steve Rolls. And then they really started um, rolling. And then the COVID pandemic hit, that hurt everybody. Uh, it kind of stunted their growth, but they've gotten the ball rolling again. They've had some big fights in the last couple of years. Uh, some of the bigger fights in the sport, they have featured the biggest stars, Canelo, uh, AJ, uh, Golovkin, guys like that globally. And they've uh, launched in, you know, over a hundred countries and territories. So they're all over the place, right? They're, they're making moves and doing stuff. And there's a lot that I do like, there's a lot that I do like. But along the way, they've made several mistakes. And I've talked about that stuff on my show. I've talked about the things that just from a technical standpoint, I think the zone could do better. And some of the um, the quality of their content, which isn't very good, and how they can improve that by bringing on uh, some different content creators. You know, basically guys, that the, the, the guys you watch on YouTube, the guys that uh, the podcast you listen to, that's the sort of stuff the zone needs to bring on. Um, and I've talked about that. But I've been slapped in the face personally as a customer and a promoter of the, the, the brand uh, so many times now that I'm out. So let me talk about that. The, the first real slap in the face for me was the zone's COVID response. Now, during the COVID pandemic in 2020, sports basically shut down for like three to six months, depending on the sport and the timing and all that, right? But there were several months where, um, it wasn't just sports. I mean, things were locked down and everyone still had subscriptions. You had subscriptions to your gym, um, maybe your child's daycare, uh, things like that. And those subscriptions continued, right? But what a lot of businesses did during that time is they realized that their customers were hurting and they said, you know, hey, listen, we're going to give you three months at a discount or we're going to uh, give you so, so here's an example. The gym that I was going to at the time still charged us a monthly fee, me and my wife. But what they said is we're going to take these, I think it was three months that they were closed here in, in where we live now in Atlanta. It was like three months. And they said, we're going to add three months free at the end of your contract. So you're going to pay right now, but we're going to add three free months at the end of your contract. So that was throwing us a bone, right? And it was showing that, hey, we appreciate you sticking around and staying subscribe with us and paying the monthly fee, even though you can't even come in right now. So what we're going to do to show our appreciation is we're going to add these three months to the end of your deal, right? And there were several businesses that did things like that. Smart businesses did. Did DAZN do anything like that? No. So for months, annual subscribers had paid for this service and there was nothing on, right? 2020 basically was cut in half. So you were paying at that time $100, but you're only getting half a year worth of product. And at no point was it, hey, we're going to extend your annual subscription by three months. We're going to extend this out. You know, you you subscribed April 1st. We're going to uh, extend it out to, to May, uh, June, July 1st. We're going to extend it out three months. Nothing like that. So it felt like 
I was being kind of taken for granted, even though I was an original subscriber from the launch, from when they got into, into boxing from that launch. And then I stuck around through COVID, right? And I didn't, a lot of you guys canceled during COVID and I understand that. We didn't, we hung on, we hung in there. And, and I looked at it like, listen, um, this is me trying to support boxing. And by the way, I hung in there with my Showtime. I was with Showtime. I've, I've cut Showtime since, but I still had Showtime then. And with, um, I don't even know if ESPN Plus was, I think they were launched. I think I sub, was subscribed to them too. I, we stuck with all our subscriptions. It was like, let's, our boxing subscriptions, let's help out. Because I know everyone's hurting right now. That, that's honestly how I felt. It really truly was. But I, I felt like I was taken um, for granted there. And I, I know I'm not alone in that feeling. But here's the next big slap in the face. It was last year when that price hike went from 100 to 150. That's a 50% price increase, 50%. Now, it would be one thing if that 50% price increase coincided with them signing top rank fighters, like adding a whole slew of new fighters or something like that. You know, or announcing another tournament or something like that, right? Because um, us boxing nerds, we love tournaments, right? But there was there was nothing like that. There was no additional content or anything. It was just, yeah, we're jacking this up by 50%. Not 20%, 50 Again, that coming during a time where the value has lost significant, or the dollar has lost significant value over the last uh, two to two and a half years, Um you know, the, the COVID pandemic crushed the economy, but there was a rebound directly after that. But from 2021 on, the economy has been shit. The dollar's lost value. Inflation's through the roof. Gas prices are insane. Egg prices are insane. Meat, bread, everything's insane right now. And you're going to jack our shit up 50%? That was another slap in the face. And that coincided with another slap. They started charging for pay-per-view. And... Canelo Bevel was a good fight, but did I personally feel it was worth an extra $60? I think it was $60 for subscribers. It was $80, I think, for non-subscribers. I didn't personally feel it was worth that. I didn't, you know, like, it, it just, I don't know. It wasn't a fight that we asked for. It was interesting, and I watched it because I am a degenerate, um, and it was an intriguing fight, and I thought Bevel had a really good chance. I obviously favored Canelo because of the business of boxing. But anyway, um, that pay-per-view thing, when they built themselves up the first couple of years, it was hashtag death to pay-per-view, hashtag RIP pay-per-view, right? Remember that shit? The zone is the nail in the coffin of pay-per-view. And I bought into that shit. I truly was like, wow, I, I love the messaging here. So when you increased the price and broke your promise and really the whole thing that you built yourself upon, yeah, dude, that was a big slap in the face. Now, despite all that, I still stuck around. We paid the $150. I think we paid it like last fall. So we're good through this summer with our annual. Uh, we paid the buck 50. And accepted that, okay, now there's some pay-per-view fights, you know, and I'll have to decide if I want to buy those or not. Most of them I don't buy. But now this, now it's $225. And again, there's no additional content. We're not being provided with, with better uh, content. 
I will say this. Technically, you're getting more stuff. You're getting more fight cards, right? There is more quantity, but it's not necessarily quality. I don't give a shit about YouTube influencers boxing. No, look, I'm not mad at them. Let Do your thing, dude. Like, okay, I respect you. Go ahead and do your fights and all that. Get your money. I get all that. It's just not something I'm particularly interested in fight, uh, watching. So, like, I don't care that you're putting on these YouTuber events, these influencer events. I don't care that you're adding darts and, you know, horse racing or whatever the hell else to put horseshoes or cricket. Like, I don't watch that crap. If I want to watch drunken frat boys throw darts at the wall, I could go to my local neighborhood pub. Like, I don't need that on the zone. So, I'm getting no additional content and I'm getting another 50% price increase. Yeah, uh, this time I'm out. I've hung in through COVID. I hung in through the original price increase. I hung in when you lied and broke your promise about pay-per-view. I hung in, but I can't hang in anymore. And let me tell you something. I mentioned earlier when I read the email, it said $225. I was, I scanned up and down. I'm like, there's gotta be fine print somewhere that says, this includes a pay-per-view voucher or this includes, uh, or this is a, a price lock and you'll be locked in for four years. Like I expected to see something like that. Cause I'm like, they can't just increase this and just expect people to be like, Oh, okay, shit. That's cool. <laughs> Especially with everything they pulled last year. Right. Um, it's been a couple years since the COVID thing, but all that stuff last year, dude, people got memories. They don't have long memories. They're short memories, but that wasn't too long ago. I didn't see any of that fine print. And I thought about this example. I'm sure you guys have done this. Um, I know I have. Um, every year, basically, when your cable, the 12-month deal you have with your cable package ends, the cable company jacks up your price, right? And it goes from, I'm just throwing out numbers here, but it goes from 100 to 170 bucks or something, right? And you get that bill and you're like, what the hell is this? And then you see um, your discount rate is over your, your 12 month, um, rebate or whatever is over. You're back to the original price. And so I'm sure you guys like myself, I've called the cable company and you're talking to the pizza face kid on the phone. You know, he's like, hello, sir. You know, his, his balls have barely dropped. His voice is cracking. The pizza face kid answering the phone, you know, hello, sir. And so you're talking to him. And after about five minutes, you're like, listen, dude, you jacked my shit up. Dish has a deal right now where it's half the price and I get just as much stuff. I'm, I'm going to Dish. I, hold on, sir. Don't hang up. Let me get my manager. The manager gets on the phone. And that's some smooth talk. I'm like, hi, how you doing? I'm Carl Carlson. I'm the supervisor. And that's the guy that will sit down and say, I'm with the customer retention department. Let me, let me ask you something, sir. Would you stick with us if we gave you another 12-month promotional price and we gave you free HBO for six months? Would that work? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Okay, you got me. I'll stick around. Boom, done. I know that's happened with some of you guys, right? I've done that. And in fact, if you're smart, you mark that date on the calendar. My wife does that uh, to remind me, hey, Mike, call the cable company. It's, I'm just naming a date. It's November 5th. Call the cable company. They're going to jack up the price again this month. Call and say we're switching the dish. And so like I... I pulled that stunt 
10 years in a row. And guess what? The cable company kept me as a customer. But late last year, I called them and they said, um, the customer retention dude came on and did his little spiel, but he wasn't offering me that discounted rate anymore. They had raised the prices because of, I guess, all the uh, issues that we're having in this country economically. And uh, I said, no, what about this rate? This is what I was paying before. I want this. And they said, well, we can't do that anymore. We can give you like 20% off, 30%. I'm like, no, I want 50%, like I was getting before. I want the free HBO for six months. Like, you know, we can't do that anymore, sir. Okay, go fuck yourself. Click. We don't have cable anymore. We stream. We found a streaming service that offers all the basic cable shit, and it's like 50 bucks. So that's what we're doing. And you know what? I don't miss cable at all. I don't miss it. It's easier streaming shit. You guys are watching this video on a stream, right? We live with streaming. It's just a bunch of apps now, right? So we stream our local stations and our basic cable, just like we stream DAZN, ESPN+, Netflix, Hulu. We stream it. Cable lost me. They had me for a long time. They lost me because Mr. Customer Retention didn't retain the damn customer. DAZN, where's your customer retention department? Because let me tell you something. Here's, here's my unsolicited advice to the zone, but not just the zone to all of you, right? I don't think you guys are reading the room. I don't think you guys quite understand here. Me, when I say me, I don't mean me personally, just Michael Montero. I mean me and my following. The people that listen to this show, watch this show, call into the show, the people I interact with every day on Twitter, okay? And again, my social media following, collective following is 40 to 50,000 people, give or take, with all the different platforms I'm on and stuff. Um, we represent the bulk demographic, your, your key demo of your customer base. We represent, me, I represent your target demo. I am the guy, and, and everyone here at my show, we are the guys, we are the, the people that keep the lights on over at your operation. It's not the 15-year-old teeny bopper high school chick who occasionally buys a pay-per-view or gets a one-month subscription at the zone to watch her favorite YouTuber with her shirt off boxing, okay? She's not the one that watched Canelo versus Fielding. <laughs> She's not the one that watched Canelo versus Yildirim. The woke hashtag activist on Twitter who checks in to make sure you change your profile picture during gay pride month, that person, they didn't watch the world boxing super series. They're not subscribing to your annual thing. They're, they didn't watch Golovkin rolls. All right. It's guys like me week to week, month to month that keep the lights on at your operation. We are the ones who subscribe to the apps, we buy the pay-per-views, we even come to the fights when we can. Us, guys like me. So, instead of disregarding me with your stupid canned response to my tweet, or like Steven Espinoza and the guys at Showtime and all the unpaid interns they've had, personally attacking guys like me, going after me and even my wife, 
and pulling up tweets and stuff from a decade ago to attack me because you can't get me on anything presently. Instead of doing that, maybe you should actually start listening to guys like me. And, and I'll take it a step further. Maybe you should actually start reaching out, extending an olive branch to guys like me. Because once again, I am your target demo. I am who you want to subscribe to your platform. When I say demo, I'm not talking about demographics in terms of ethnicity, gender. I'm talking about me being a diehard boxing degenerate. That's the demo I'm talking about, okay? Get all that other crap out of your freaking head. Me, the people that follow me, the people I inter interact with, the people that watch my stuff and listen to my stuff and read my stuff, we represent the demo that you're trying to reach. When you attack me personally on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, my followers see that. They feel attacked too, because if I can be attacked, so can they. When you disregard me with your stupid canned corporate response, my followers, my subscribers also feel like they're being shit on. Do you understand? Does that, is that permeating into your brain yet? We're, we sh you shouldn't be attacking guys like me and disregarding or trying to silence or cancel me or get me out of the sport, okay? You should actually be listening. If you want to continue to keep the lights on and stay viable and visible in this business, you got to start listening to people. You got to start paying attention. You got to start reading the room. Again, woke hashtag activist, 15-year-old teeny bopper high school chick, They'll tune in occasionally. They'll make some noise on, you know, the, the Instagram TikTok thought that goes to your events and, and, and post a selfie from ringside. Cool, that gets you a little web traffic for that event. But week to week, month to month, I'm here on my show talking about your events. I'm previewing them. I'm reviewing them. I'm giving my thoughts analytically about what I saw, what I expect to see. We're talking about gambling and all that stuff that goes into it. Basically, guys like me promote your shit to the casual fan. Do you get it yet? So if you're losing me, dude, yeah, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm not a big deal. You losing me is because I have been a staunch defender of this sport for as long as I can remember. But I can only take so many slaps in the face before I say, fuck it. It's just 90% of these fights are showcases. We know who's going to win. The 10% that are actually interesting matchups, I can find a stream. That, that's the truth. I can find a stream. I want to support. Trust me. I've spent thousands. It has to be tens of thousands of dollars supporting this sport, not just as a media guy, but, or as a diehard fan, but also as a competitor, I've lived and competed as an amateur athlete in this sport. Okay. I've really contributed on a big level. And a lot of the guys that listen to my show and stuff, it's the same thing. So again, dude, 
you guys got to start reading the room. All right. Um, all right. I think I got that out of my system. Thank you for obliging me listening to all that, guys. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get a couple of super chats and then we'll move on to the review preview. I wonder how many people I offended and triggered with that one. Uh, Aaron Gortman with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, Mike, I think there's a market for MOB Global to consolidate all of these networks into one streaming site. Yeah, dude, if I had about $10 billion, maybe I'd try it. But yeah, other than that, nah, no way. It would be awesome, though, if you could put it all together in one envelope, right? It'd be great. Uh Anthony Santiago with the super chat. What's up, man? It's heard from you in a while, man. Thank you. He said, uh, what up, Mike and chat? Canceled the zone too after being a day one subscriber. Here you go, the zone. Because I know you guys are watching, even though you pretend you're not. Here you go. Ant's another loyal subscriber. You lost him. It ain't just, it ain't about me. It's about everyone here. Do you understand? Ant says, uh, at 225, that is more than Amazon Prime. Exactly. Exactly. He says, does the zone bring more value than Amazon Prime? Not only video streaming, hashtag team Firestick. Couldn't have said it better myself, dude. My 40-minute rant, you just encapsulated it into a perfect message right there. You're a way smarter guy than me, dude. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. That's exactly how I feel. And again, is anything I just said malicious or nasty or untrue in any way? Was it vindictive or mean? No. I'm just telling the truth. Sam A with a super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, I bought the zone at ESPN plus for a year last month because I live bet and need zero delay to zone. Both cards was 40 seconds delayed from live brutal. Wow. Yeah. When you're betting live and you're paying to have a zero delay, there's a 40 second delay. Yeah. That kind of sucks. I, I feel you, Sam. That kind of sucks. Uh, Toreen, Toreen, the creator says, damn, Mike, you should be a voice actor. Actually, brother, I have done some voiceover work. Um, I, I really need to get back into that. I need to, um, but I've done voiceover work on radio and television. I've even done, uh, what they call ADR in movies and film. Um, I've done, you know, I just, I don't talk about all that stuff, but, um, yeah, I have. Uh, Nacho says, Mike, you sound like the kid from Krusty Burger on The Simpsons. Holy shit. I didn't even think about that. You're right, though. Holy shit. That's hilarious, dude. Uh, that's hilarious. Oh, man. You guys are awesome, man. You guys are freaking awesome. Seriously. Uh, okay. And, you know, I'm going to add Timmy's comment here. He said, uh, Timmy Turner says, your rants are the best because they're underlined with facts and logic. Thank you. That's what I try to do here. It is what I try to do. Okay. That felt good. I needed to get that rant out. Now, let's talk about fights. Okay, that's why we're here. Let's do the review. Uh, last Saturday, February 18th, let's start in Nottingham, England. Matchroom card on the zone. By the way, the zone had a good weekend in terms of the action. The undercards are terrible, but like the main, the two main events were great. Uh, it's just everything else sucked for them. Anyway, Mauricio Lara, TKO7, Lee Wood re, uh, wins the WBA 
uh, featherweight belt. And I'm not sure how many belts the WBA has at featherweight. It's probably 472, I think, by my last count. But anyway, this one particular belt, now Lara has it. Um, the key point to this fight, and we'll talk about the stoppage, but the key point to this fight, never hook with a hooker. I'm sure you guys have heard that statement before. Lee Wood was doing a very good job for most of the first six rounds of this fight, staying long, getting in and getting out very fast, but also keeping his right hand up. You can tell that him and trainer Ben Davidson and their team looked at Lara's left hook because every combination Lara throws, he ends it with a hook, usually to the body, sometimes body and head. All right, that's how he ends his combinations, but there's always a left hook coming at the end. It's just how he caps everything off. And Lee Wood did a very good job blocking that. But in the seventh round, when he maybe got a little too cocky because he had been having a lot of success the, the couple rounds before that. In fact, I had Lee Wood well ahead in this fight. You can make an argument 5-1 after six or 4-2 after six. There's no way this was an even fight, as some people suggested on Twitter. This Lee Wood is clearly winning this fight at the time of the stoppage. Um, but he threw a hook with Lara. Okay. In combination, they were both in combination. Boom. While he threw that hook, he had his right hand up, but because he was rotating, throwing his hook, it exposed the chin, right? Lara's hook was shorter. It was lower and it was faster. So a lot of times when two guys are throwing a hook, it's not just whose hook is shorter, right? Because if I loop that hook, if you pull back here and I loop it, it's going to hit the guard. But if I shorten it, it's going to hit right at the point of the chin. But also the hook that gets there quicker is the lower shot. If you hook from here and you come up just to just under the chin and the other guy's hooking up at the temple, that hook that you're shooting lower going to land first, especially when someone's turning into it because they're throwing too, okay? So guys, something for, for those of you who, who like to compete um, and train in boxing, something that you can work on. When you're throwing hooks, shorten it and lower it, okay? And you can almost 45 it where you slightly come up at an angle. Uh, but anyway, that's what Lara did. And that's why Lara's hook, both hooks landed, but Lara's hook, again, lower uh, and shorter and faster. That's why it was faster. Because Lee Wood is actually the faster, more athletic guy between the two. But Lara's punch placement, just better, particularly with the hook. So Wood really did himself a great disservice by throwing that hook with a guy who has a much better hook. If Lee Wood, instead of throwing a hook when he got caught, had he just thrown a left jab, would have caught Lara's hook right on his guard. And his jab would have landed and he would have won that sequence because he would have landed the punch and blocked the punch at the same time. But because he hooked and turned, he turned right into Lara's punch. I hope that makes sense. So that's the lesson here for Lee Wood, who up to that point was fighting very well and actually made Lara look kind of sloppy in spots. Lara was missing uh, pretty wildly. Lara now, he kept coming forward and kept marching forward and throwing punches and being aggressive. That's what he does. But man, there was sections in those first six rounds where he looked downright amateurish and sloppy. That's how that's how tight Lee Wood was fighting. He was fighting a very good fight. Then made that one fundamental error. Now, gets dropped toward the end of the seventh round with that hook. Gets up, but is clearly wobbly. Legs are shot to shit. 
pops up, but it immediately stumbles into the corner, right? Now, the referee is going to give Lee Wood every chance he can to survive this fight. It's it's in his neck of the woods. Had this fight uh, been in Mexico, that fight might have been called right then and there by the ref. But over there in Nottingham, the ref's going to give Lee Wood a million chances to fight. So people saying, well, the ref let it continue. Of course, look where it is and look who's fighting. Of course, okay? Had Lara been dropped like that, ref might have stopped it. That's the truth. That's the truth. You guys know I'm telling the truth here. So the ref lets it continue, which I agreed with. I agreed with that decision. Ben Davidson immediately throws in the towel. And I don't remember exactly how many uh, seconds were left, but I know it was less than 20 seconds. I want to say... Lee Wood got up at like 16 seconds left, something like that, if memory serves me correctly. So a lot of people hated this stoppage. A lot of people hated it. Uh, I posted a poll on Twitter, one of my good old-fashioned polls. Over 500 of you voted, and 73% of you thought it was a good stoppage. Only 27% of you thought it was a bad stoppage. I saw Dan Raphael, of all people, um, and he wasn't the only one that made a really I think weak, dumb comparison, but um, he, he tried to compare it to um, Ben Davidson when he was in Tyson Fury's corner, when Fury got dropped in the 12th round against Deontay Wilder in their first bout. Those are completely different situations, completely different situations with completely different fighters and fights with completely different ramifications. So I think that's a weak comparison. I'm not saying that to diss Dan, I just, I think it's a weak comparison. You just can't compare those two things. And Dan should know better to know that every trainer treats their fighters differently based upon the relationship they have with the fighter, but also they know the fighter. They know what they've been through in camp, where they're at, if they're compromised, if there was a weight cut involved, all those sorts of things with, with a heavyweight, it's just a much different thing. Um, So, all, all those comparisons I saw on Twitter, I just think were dumb and weak. In this particular case, I'm going to give Ben Davidson the benefit of the doubt and say that he knows his fighter better than we do. He knows the body language and he knows, listen, you never know what he might have been through in camp. He might be compromised. There might be something going on that Ben knows that we don't. Okay. As a guy who's competed, I know there are situations that, you know, where I had injuries, I had things going on that me and my trainer had to hide from the commission. I've gone as far as to putting makeup on cuts to get through a physical inspection, things like that. Um, so, so there are things you do to get through that, you know, that, um, those sorts of uh, situations. So I'm going to give Ben Davidson the benefit of the doubt and say that it's always better to err on the side of caution. I know a lot of fans hated it, and I think it affected the over-under. So that's why a lot of you are pissed, because I think it affected your your bet uh, in the negative. Uh, some of you it affected it in the positive, so you loved it. But a lot of you guys hated the stoppage, and you want to see wood laid out cold on the canvas. And I get that, guys, but Ben Davidson's job is to protect his fighter. And at that point, could he have maybe held on for 10 more seconds or whatever and made it to the corner? Yeah, maybe. But then he comes out in the eighth round and takes an ass whooping. At that point, Ben Davidson felt he was hurt enough that we should stop it, live to fight another day, let's do a rematch, and next time we'll fix that technical error. Okay, no harm, no foul. So for me, I didn't hate the stoppage. 
Okay. I can understand why some people didn't like it. I get it. Okay. But I'm always going to err on the side of caution when it comes to protecting a fighter. I've seen too many punch drunk dudes at the gym. Too many of them. Dudes that had records like eight in 26 at the gym hitting bags and shit. And they, their motor skills are all messed up. Their, their verbal skills are all messed up. Um, I've seen too much of that shit. And I know a lot of you guys have too. Some of you guys have family members like that, right? So oh, I'm always going to err on the side of caution. So I give Ben Davis to the pass on that one, uh, big time. As for uh, a rematch, I it, I would welcome a rematch. This was a good fight through those seven rounds. It was very interesting. Both fighters were doing some good work. Um, I do think Wood was winning, but the difference in power was evident. Lara's punches have way more snap on them and were affecting Wood more so than Wood's punches. Wood was landing lead right hands. That's hard to do, okay? You have to be a skillful guy to do that. Um, and he was doing it. He was landing some nice shots from the outside and getting out, but they weren't hurting Lara. They were stopping him in his tracks and making him reset, but they weren't hurting him. So in a rematch, I'm not sure if it looks any different, but I'd be willing uh, or I'd, I'd definitely be interested in seeing it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then in California, Golden Boy Promotions had a card in Pomona. This also was on the zone. And again, there's nothing really to speak of on the undercard, but the main event was great. Luis Neri, KO 11 win over Azat Avanizian. This was a WBC junior featherweight eliminator. So now uh, Luis Neri is in line to face Stephen Fulton, uh, who has that belt. But actually, He's in line to face the winner between Stephen Fulton and Naoya Inouye because they're going to fight and, and um, uh, for Fulton's unified belts, I should say. So Neri is going to be in position to fight the winner. Now, he said after the fight that he would prefer Inouye beat Fulton because he really wants to fight Inouye rather than Fulton. I think that has more to do with styles, Fulton style, all wrong for Neri, at least with Inouye's style. Um, he's, he'll get some shots in, you know, he'll land some punches. Fulton would just smother him and win a, a 12 round decision. Anyway, might blast him out of there in four rounds, but at least it'll be over quick. Right. Anyway, um, Avanesian, Avanesian threw and landed more, especially to the body. But once again, the difference was in the power and he was stopped standing up. Um, he had got hurt at the end of the 10th round. He, was able to uh, survive. But here's an example, guys, of going back to that Lee Wood stoppage, okay? Uh, look at what happened to Ovenesian. He survived getting hurt at the end of the 10th, comes out in the 11th, gets stopped standing up. So with Wood, it could have been the same thing. Um, so you see two different outcomes of maybe the same thing. You know what I mean? But uh, for Neri, good win here, and he is lined up now for uh, a title shot. Okay, that's it with the review. Uh, let me get to a couple Super Chats, and then we'll do the preview. All right, guys? <clears throat> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, all right. Scrolling through, forgive me. Forgive me for taking so long here. Chat is on fire. 
Okay. Um, Super chat from one foot out the door. Thank you so much. He said, as a current DAZN customer, I am definitely not renewing with them raising the price and promoting clowns like Jake Fraud. There you go. Again, guys, um, I think we all kind of share the same opinion. Uh, seriously. And what's funny, there was one guy who responded to me in, um, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you know, he was responding to my tweet this weekend. And he said, you ain't going to do jack shit. You ain't canceling nothing. You're, you're a degenerate. You're going to keep watching. And I responded to him like, no, no, go ahead, fam. Watch me. Check back with me in a few months. I, I'm I'm out. Unless, unless they reach out to me and there's some sort of conciliation here, reconciliation, I, I'm out because 225 is too much, too much after everything else I've already given. Yeah, I'm a degenerate, but no, not sticking around. I can only be abused so many times before I'm out. Sam with another super chat. Thank you so much. He said, uh, also, Lara was hurt by an early body shot that messed him up for a few rounds, and he recovered and landed that huge shot. Davidson saved Wood. He was done. I tend to agree, Sam. Um, again, it, Wood did very, very well. But his punches just weren't stopping Lara. Lara kept coming forward. And again, he he looked amateurish at times and sloppy, but he was getting through and, and putting damage on Wood. And Wood had to fight basically a perfect technical fight for 12 rounds. And if he had done that, he would have won nine rounds to three, something like that, um, eight rounds to four. But he slipped up, and he slipped up in the seventh round. Who's to say a rematch wouldn't look any different? But um, I agree with you, Sam, that I think – Overall, Davidson saved his guy. CJ Duncan with the super chat. Thank you so much, CJ. He says, Carl Carlison, deal maker, <laughs> coming soon on the zone. Uh, that would make the hike justified. Not worth the 40 weeks of UK mid grade cards a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should uh, make a character, Carl Carlson, deal maker. Maybe that'll be a character going forward on the show. Uh, but, dude, I agree with you. Like, listen. The UK mid-grade cards, sometimes they're fun. They provide some really, really great action sometimes, right? The, the mid-grade American cards, the same thing. But most of the time, most of the time, when I say most, I'm talking 90%. Most of the time, those are mismatches. They're showcases, right? We know who's going to win. Some of these fights have 40 to 1 favorites. Do we really need to tune in for that shit? For real? And do we need to pay $225 for it? Nah, I'm good, fam. I'm good. Sam with another super chat. Thanks again. He said, uh, after both cards, Davidson may be the only guy that cares about his fighter. These guys let their guy take way too many shots when they can't win. I completely agree with you again, Sam. Um, I give, listen, whether you agree with what Davidson did or not, I give the guy credit for having the balls to make that judgment, knowing your fighters ahead in the fight, you're fighting at home in front of your home crowd, right? So their hometown fans are there, their friends, their family, all there. You know you're going to get beat up for this decision. And you go ahead and make it anyway. That takes character. That takes balls. Dan Raphael's example of Davidson not stopping the fight when Fury got hurt against Wilder in the 12th round once again shows balls in knowing your fighter and knowing and understanding the situation and reading the room 
having confidence that your fighter can get up and fight back, knowing his character, knowing what you had there. And what happened in that fight? Fury got up and gave Wilder the business and dominated the rest of that 12th round. Wilder, who's known, who's marketed as the greatest finisher in the history of the sport, had Tyson Fury down and couldn't finish him in the 12th round of a fight. And Fury hadn't fought anybody in three, four years. He was fat and out of shape. Couldn't finish him. So just, yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I'm with you. <clears throat> Aaron Gortman with another super chat. Thank you so much. He says, uh, Mike, does it blow your mind that PBC slash Showtime is still backing a dude who a girlfriend beats and ran after nearly killing a pregnant woman? It just shows virtue signaling by Steven Espinoza and Al Bernstein is total bullshit. Yeah, look, dude, that's why you can't virtue signal when you're being a hypocrite. And the virtue signaling that's going on, it's not just with them. I mean, I'll, I'll just call out Espinosa specifically. Um, when Al Bernstein can talk about Oscar so white and make these really divisive political statements about 50% of the country who don't vote the way he likes and vilify them, and I like Al. I like, I got no problem with Al, but he's quite radical politically. And for, if he can beat up on half the country routinely on Twitter, but you canned Pauli Malignaggi because he voted for the guy you didn't like, that shows a double standard. I wouldn't can either of them, I'm saying. I'm cool with everyone having their own political viewpoint. Do you. Whether you're on this side, that side, I don't give a shit. I'm just saying everyone should be treated equally. So that's right. I would call it Espinoza. And then with all the virtue signaling about whatever subject, pick whatever subject is the topic of the week. And then you have a guy that has been arrested for domestic violence. There's videos of him roughing up a girl in public in front of thousands of people, a hit and run of a pregnant woman fleeing the scene, all this kind of stuff. Remember, they canceled Raleigh Romero from fighting Tank. Originally, they still they eventually went to it. But they originally canceled Raleigh Romero and brought in what, um, who was it? Oh, God. I can't even think of, um, I saw Cruz, right? That's who they brought in. But they they told Raleigh, nah, dude, you can't fight. Because some girl just accused him of something. There was literally zero evidence. He wasn't even arrested. So you're going to punish Raleigh. But this dude's been arrested. You're, you're not canceling no event. It, it, it does look like double standards. And it does look extremely hypocritical. Extremely. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let's do a little preview. And then we'll try to grab a couple calls, all right? <clears throat> uh, Friday, February 24th from Hialeah, Florida. Guillermo Rigondeau is fighting TBA off of television. Just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, I Honestly, though... It, the cult of Rigo always annoyed me, but Rigo as a person, as a human being, I, I like, and I'm rooting for him because he did have that vicious burn on his face. Remember that freak accident? So him getting back in the ring and fighting, good for him. So, so I kid, but good for him. Seriously. That's pretty awesome. Saturday, February 25th from Minneapolis, PBC on Showtime, Subriel Matias 
from Puerto Rico going up against Jeremias Poltze from Argentina for the vacant IBF junior welterweight belt that rightfully should belong to Josh Taylor. So, um, you know, I always beat up on the BC and the BA. They screw up the most. But the IBF has pulled some real stunts, and they have shown some extreme favoritism towards PBC fighters in recent years as well, particularly at 147. Uh, but this belt, really, Josh Taylor's the 140 champ. So, yeah, the winner of this fight, which on paper is going to be Subriel Matias, is uh, going to be a champion, quote-unquote, but the real champion at 140 is uh, Taylor. Anyway, Matthias has won three straight after his lone professional defeat, and Ponce is taking a big leap in opposition. The one thing with Ponce, he has traveled. I think he's fought like in Germany, um, I think maybe in the UK. He, he's been around. He's fought in a couple different countries, so he stamped his passport. He has that experience of fighting on the road. The thing is, you just never know what to expect with these Argentinian guys. You just don't know. Some of them come up and they end up being complete uh, just fluff, right? And then they just get blown out. Some of them are just tough as nails and end up being really, really good fighters. So it's just tough to tell with these fighters from Argentina. You don't always know what you're going to get. So um, anyway, that's that one. And then Sunday, February 26th, it's the big one, I kid, from the boxing powerhouse that is Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, ESPN Plus pay-per-view. We did talk about pay-per-view earlier, right? Uh, Jake Paul going up against Tommy Fury in a 10-round cruiserweight fight. And then in the co-main, an actual real boxing match, uh, Ilunga Makabu versus Badu Jack. This is the third defense of the WBC cruiserweight belt won by Makabu back in 2020. What has Badu Jack done to be in a title fight? I don't know. He hasn't really beaten anyone of significance in recent years. I'm not sure what he's doing uh, in the title fight here, but he is. Okay. Fury, Tommy Fury is 8-0. and Jake Paul is 6-0. and So the question here is, who has a better resume coming in? Because what Jake Paul has done is basically beat up on guys who are novice boxers but have big established names in combat sports or other sports even, like the NBA. Uh, but they don't know what they're doing in a boxing ring, right? Um, that's who's on his resume. So on the other side, Fury has fought eight quote-unquote boxers, not former MMA guys and stuff. But look at the records. I would say all things considered, even though Jake Paul's been fighting MMA guys, I think Jake Paul's resume is actually better than Tommy Fury's. Now, what we're being told by the marketing department here is, well, now we get to see Jake Paul in with a real boxer. This is his first real test. I got to say, guys, on paper, I look at this. I think Paul should be a big favorite here. I actually think Paul might stop Tommy Fury. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, we'll find out. No, I'm, I'm not buying this pay-per-view. But I looked at Fury's resume. I, you know, I'm going to pull this up on BoxRec because I, I just want to show you guys this, um, what, what I'm going to comment on here. I want to give you guys a visual. Don't worry, I'll describe it for you guys on the audio. Um, but I want to pull this up because BoxRec has a rating system for how they rate 
fights, fighters, opponents, right? So, so I pull up Tommy Fury's resume on, on a box record and you scroll down and you look at his fights. Now you can look at the record and you can see all that. I mean, the first guy he fought has at the time he fought him had 10 wins and 102 losses. The next guy was Owen 26, then two and 26, then Owen 11, Owen nine. He fought one guy that was two and oh, I wonder what he's at now. Um, and then there was one guy actually with a winning record. That's uh 10 and one. Danielle, God, how do you pronounce this? Bosiansky, um, who's actually, I'm just pulling it up. He's actually 11 and two, but his resume is dog shit. Anyway, if you go over to the right side of the page, you will see stars. Okay. And this is where BoxRec ranks the importance, the competitiveness, the level of the fight of the opponent. It's one star to five stars. Okay, so fights like like Lee Wood and um, Mauricio Lara, Luis Neri, Azad Hoven, I'd say let, let's stick with Lara Wood because that was a title fight. That's probably a four-star fight, right? Um, obviously, a fight like Fury and Usyk, that's a five-star fight, okay? That's how it would be rated here on BoxRec. Of the eight fights that Fury has had, Seven of them have zero stars, zero. And one opponent has one star. So out of a potential 40 stars, because what, eight, eight, eight times five is 40. Okay. Out of a potential 40 stars, he has one. One star out of 40. That is the level of opposition that Tommy Fury has had. Now, what I'm about to say may sound disrespectful, and I don't mean to, for it to sound disrespectful, uh, or, or it might sound cocky, and I don't mean to sound cocky here, but I'm going to say it with full confidence because I truly, truly believe it. I would beat most of Tommy Fury's opponents. I, Michael Montero, the host of the show, I would beat most of these guys. I'd beat them. There are guys that I have fought and beat in the amateurs who are better than these fighters. I'm serious. There are guys I have sparred with. And I don't mean two or three rounds. I mean dozens of rounds, professionals and amateurs that I have sparred with who would beat these guys, okay? If I can beat most of your opponents, your resume sucks. If my old married having a baby ass can beat most of your opponents, your resume shit. That's Tommy Fury's level. So I repeat myself. Jake Paul should be a favorite. I don't know what the betting odds are, but he should be the favorite in this fight. And he should actually beat Fury fairly decisively after some early on scary moments. The reason why Paul has called out Tommy Fury and went after him so much, Tommy brings the Fury name with him, right? He brings the Tyson Fury name and that name recognition without any of the credentials, without any of the trouble, without any of the drama, without any of the skills, that's what he brings. It is perfect marketing for Jake Paul. It opens him up to the UK audience. He gets to market to the casuals that he's fighting an actual boxer. He's fighting the heavyweight champion of the world's family member. 
who's only been a boxer, not some former MMA guy, not a former NBA player, not some YouTuber. Just a real boxer. He's only fought as a boxer. That's the marketing here. For all the flaws <clears throat> Jake Paul has, and for all the things we can criticize, the guy is pretty fucking smart. I gotta say. Now, if he lays an egg in this fight and loses, well, that's all on him. But on paper, I'm telling you, don't be surprised if he wins this and looks pretty good doing it. Seriously. Okay. That's it with that. Now, a couple more super chats. Let me make sure um, I am caught up. We got a super chat from Thunders Productions. Thank you so much. He says, damn, 102 losses, and he still keeps fighting. How? LOL. Dude, yeah. And you know what? Let me pull up this guy's record now. Uh, Wow. So I'm pulling up uh, the first guy Tommy Fury ever fought. And I'm, I know I'm going to butcher this name. Jeff Jenny, Jeff Jenny's Andre Jeff's from Latvia, Riga, Latvia. His record is 10 and 113 in three. What's crazy. He's only been stopped 18 times in his 113 losses. And he has four knockout wins in his 10 wins. So imagine if you're one of the four guys who not only lost to this dude, but got knocked out by him, uh, but he does go rounds. So he's, I don't know what to call a guy like this. Um, you know, the, the, the types of opponents that Tommy Fury has fought. I don't know what to call those guys. Um, I guess professional resume builders. Cause they're brought in to build resumes, to pad resumes, uh, professional boxer resume padders. I guess that's what you call them. I don't know. Okay. All right, cool. Let's let's jump to a couple phone calls real quick, guys. We're going to go to France real quick. I think we got Johnny on the line here, and it looks like we got Fad and Nacho on deck. So let's jump to uh, France. Johnny, how you doing, brother? Hey, hey Mike. How you doing? Good. Good. Yeah, cool. Good to be back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to to all, everybody in the MOB family, everybody, everyone. <laughs> shout out to you. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> just wanted to to say a few words about. Uh, I didn't want to speak about it uh, at first, but uh, I, I think afterwards uh, I need to say a few words about the Jake Paul Tommy uh, Tommy Fury fight. Uh, <clears throat> you said it right. It's very smart. Uh, Jake Paul is very smart. Is being uh, setting up to, to be the new face of uh, boxing. <laughs> He's setting up to to be, you know, the, the new the new cash cow of, yeah. of the of the sport, and it's very sad because it's. Uh, uh, I'm telling you, it's a rigged sport. Then, <laughs> starting from then, start, starting from Jake Paul, it's going to be uh, a rigged sport because uh, if you look at the, at it, all and every one of his stoppages win are doubles. You see, like it's, it's, you have Silva, uh, you have the uh, each and every one of them. It's not really boxing anymore. Mm. It's just a show. It's just a well, the sport's going to be fake, and um, that's sad. But um, really, <clears throat> um, everything is written. Then, uh, of course, Jack Paul is going to win, and he's going to win by stoppage, mm. and uh, he's already you know setting up setting up uh, clashes with. Uh, Carfrock of a Twitter. I don't know if you saw that already. No. You know Carfrock, the, the British fighter. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He would uh, come up. Uh, I yeah. did not see that. He, he wow. would come up uh, a retirement project That's... also. It's always been done already, you know. That's and crazy. it's going to be a very big year for for Britain this year. They're going to get. Uh, we don't we don't know yet about Canelo, right? Don't we? Do we? Canelo is he fighting in the UK or Mexico? It's going to be in Mexico. Because a lot of people hate the John Ryder fight, but uh, it's going to be a fun fight. Uh, John Ryder is actually a pretty good fighter. He's, he's going to be, I guess, more uh, eager to fight than uh, you know Callum Smith. He, he, he already bet quite convincingly with Callum Smith. I think he won against Callum Smith. I don't yeah. know if you remember that fight. He won, right? Yeah, I, I, a lot of people feel you, that way. Yeah, absolutely. Think? And you? I think so, too. I think, yeah, you could definitely make an argument he won that fight. And he's, he's, um, he's quite a crafty boxer. He's a softball. And he actually quite looks like uh, Canelo. He's a British twin. Uh, just look at his face. He's got almost the same face as Canelo. You know? Not, just not red guy, but uh, brown guy. Yeah, he's but, actually. Uh, from that, he really looks. Like, he's darker than Canelo. <laughs> he's actually a darker yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, but Canelo, he, yeah. It's almost, look at his face. Same eyes, same same face, you know, same very square face, you know, very mm -hmm. square uh, chin, and he's uh, and he's almost looks like him. So um, it's going to be a clash of styles. Very fun because uh, uh, John Ryder is somebody that uh, uh, likes to fight uh, in, in a short way, you know, close to the body. Just to a lot of hooks and uh, body shots, so uh, I think uh, Canelo's got to be on his uh, top game this night because it's not going to be a walk in the park. Everybody shit from his fight, but it's going to be a fun fight because uh, because John Ryder walks uh, over the fighter and it's going to be a closer Mexican style fight. Yeah, so it'll be I fun. I really like this fight. I think it's going to be fun and. <clears throat> And just um, a few words about the Wood uh, Laura fight. Uh, at first, if you remember well, there's a second uh, round of the fight that is uh, really a bit down for, uh, for Wood. And he's uh, almost stopped there, right on his track. And he managed to survive the second round. Mm -hmm. And starting from the third round and so on, he set up his, um, his, uh, his jab. But at first, his weakness is that um, the jab is lazy. It doesn't uh, throw a proper jab, solid jab, you know, that would deter Lara, that would stop him in his track a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, since his uh, jab is too lazy, uh, it doesn't. Uh, he, he, Lara was very, very easy to get in and uh, throw hooks and throw pockets and throw hooks to the body and last hooks to, 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 the, to the head. And what saved him is uh, that he managed to, to set his size afterwards in the in the following world round and still uh, and still lost. And I think um, really what what happened is that uh, fighters in U UK they don't have the level that, uh, that is uh, relevant to their to their audience right now. And the audience is magnificent in in UK, and you get most of the cards because. Uh, you spoke about Dazen. Dazen done very, very, very bad, very low in the last uh, last month. And um, I did uh, unsubscribe from them mm. uh, a few months ago already. And um, but I, I, 
<coughs> sorry, <laughs> I did uh, unsubscribe to them. Uh, that's indeed very bad. But um, they still offer a few fights. But uh, so, sorry, I lost my track a little bit. I was. You say you you unsubscribe from the uh, zone. Yeah, but before that, it was related to fight. I can't remember, but still, mm. I, I unsubscribed. I totally agree with you. Uh, the offer has been very low, and the uh, uh, and the increase of the price is not justified in any way. In any way, really, um, it's very sad because it's because uh, doesn't was supposed to be the faceless boxing, mm -hmm. and not the faceless boxing is a is a Jake Paul regular rig boxing, and it's very sad. So thank you so much, uh, Mike. I think uh, I've, I've taken a lot of time already. It was uh, it was crazy. No, I was speaking about the leaf, uh, about the wood lava fight. I, I lost my track. Oh, it's all good. Uh, but, call um, back, call back next time. Yeah, we'll talk that's, about that's, it. That's that's cool. That's cool. Next time, next okay, it's gonna be good. And just uh, thank you so much, Mike, and have a good night. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you too, too, brother. Bye. All right, there he goes, Johnny. Great job, Johnny. Guys, Johnny's calling from France. Obviously, a native French speaker, so it's difficult for him in English sometimes. He does a fantastic job. Really does a fantastic job. Um, all right, let's jump right on with the next call. Uh, we got Thad. Yeah, we got Thad right here. Let's bring him on. What's up, Thad? How you doing? Hey, Mike. I wanted to set you up here because, um, you know, you mentioned the over-under and how it was affected. Actually, if... The overrunner was six and a half. That was like the when it was put out. Okay. So it had no bearance on the the overrunner. So, okay. Because the the overrunner already happened. Yeah. It, at, I thought it was uh, seven. One minute thirty seconds. Okay. Of, yeah, six and a half. So one minute thirty seconds of the, the seventh round, it went over. So you know, a minute and ten seconds after that, he got floored, and the over already came in. So. If you want to know about the live betting, I met, and I heard that uh, Sam, I think, does the live betting, which is if you're if you know, if you know what you're doing in boxing, then you can make money. And I sent you a screenshot of mine. Uh, I go through BetMGM Live to do my live betting online, and I took a snapshot right before I put a, a bet in on Lara by knockout. And at the end of the sixth round, he was plus four hundred. Okay, so that means if you put a hundred dollars on him you'll win back another four. Okay. Plus your hundred back. So it went all the way up to plus 500 about 30 seconds before that knockout punch landed. And I was right about to put another one in at plus 500. And then they took it down and I'm like, what? And then, um, alluding to the fact that it is like a 40 second delay, mm. 30 seconds later, he lands the shot and that's why they took it down. Okay. The live betting. Cause the, the zone is on a, um, a delay. So the casinos, they have a, an advantage. Um, they could, you know, take down the odds when something like that happens. So they don't get hit hard, you okay. know, with, uh, you know, people. Sam, Sam is saying yeah. in the chat, that's what he did too. You put that, that last, that late bet yeah. on uh, Lara. Yeah. Plus 400. <laughs> and he was plus 800 on to win a decision. I think he was like minus or uh, plus 600 straight up. And you knew he wasn't going to win a decision. So, I mean, that was like, Big time value. I even sent oh, Chad did it too. Uh, a message. Oh wow, Chad yeah. said he bet uh, by KO for four fifty. Damn. Right. Yeah. You could you could have gotten them from between round six and middle of round seven, anywhere between four hundred plus four hundred plus five hundred. So I got them at four hundred. I already had them locked in on those other bets I told you about last week. Yeah. The fight kind of went 
as I expected, to be quite honest. I think maybe uh, Wood did a little better than I thought, uh, boxing-wise. Me too. But one hedge, I one hedge bet I did make was I found this great proposition. It was Lee Wood to get up from a knockdown and win the fight. So in order to hedge my my bets on Lara, I took that at seven to one. I got seven to one odds. So hundred dollars uh, plus seven hundred. Obviously, you profit seven hundred. And obviously, he didn't get up, but that was a, in my view, it was was a value hedge. Because if he was going to win that fight, he was going to have to get up at some point to do it. And Ben Davidson, you know, (laughs) from my standpoint, I was glad he stopped it because I had him between seven and nine to win the fight at plus 550. But as a boxing fan, I would have liked to have seen Wood get the benefit of the doubt. And I know safety concerns abound, but, you know, when you're, top line professional boxer, you know, at the very elite level, you should be given that chance. You should be given that chance to survive and come out for the next round. It was 10 seconds left. And we all know, you know, Meldrick Taylor, Chavez. Yeah. Right. You know, maybe a little different. I mean, we can go, you know, discuss that at another time about the, the, the Chavez fight, but sometimes the referees and, and the trainers, they panic. I, I think Ben Davidson did panic. I really, I really do. I, I, I thought Lara would win the, in the next round anyway. So it probably didn't change history. It just would have been, you know, round eight stoppage. Because at that point, I think Wood was, was pretty much done. And I was, you know, telling one of your other listeners, you know, online, I was like, watch, Lara's going to come on now, seven, eight, nine, and do his damage. And uh, that's just how he fights. If yeah. you watch his fights, he like, he'll do damage to you early. He'll, he'll take his time around like four, five, six. And then he'll come strong, like after after six, and just try to take you out after you did damage, and then he kind of lulls your you know the opponent to sleep, and it paid off. I mean that's that's been there's his a strategy. Little, um, the there's a little better be of in him, not of course the same style, but in the way he breaks people down, it seems. Yes, that's exactly it. And if you've been in the ring, if you even well not in sparring because it's different, you know, but uh, a guy. He, he puts a lot of leather on you early to the body, to the head with powder, power shots. You know, it does take a lot out of you. It breaks your skin up. Obviously, Wood was busted up from the headbutt, but all those other punches, I mean, it looked like this guy was in a war, mm-hmm. like through like three or four rounds already. You, you could tell the damage. Just like Chavez fought uh, when he fought Taylor the first time. You wouldn't guess that Taylor was winning the fight, you know, in round nine, and he, he looked like a mess. I mean, his face was beat, busted, but not only the face, it was his expression. He was a busted up man to the body, to the head. And I think Wood was starting to have that look. So again, you know, Ben Davidson, I think he panicked a little bit knowing the round was at the end, but I I do think in the end, he probably saved his fighter from taking maybe almost a career ending beating because don't forget they had the rematch clause. So he knew his guy was going to get a rematch. So I think that played into it. If there wasn't the rematch clause, I think he probably would have let it go. That's a good point. In essence, That's he, a really good point. He, yeah, he saved him to fight another day, just like Breland saved Wilder mm-hmm. in, in that fight with Fury. <laughs> he, he got uh, like 10 years Wilder knocked off his life, you know, by uh, that third fight. When they let it go, let her out. I mean, I that is an extreme case. I agree. Whew. 
And uh, if in throughout history, if you you know look back at fights, remember back in the day watching HBO and Showtime when I was a kid, uh, Milt McCrory fought uh, Donald Curry, and Curry just laid him out with with a shot. Mills Lane was the ref. He let him let him get up and continue because it was a unification fight, and and McCrory was done. His eyes were like in the back of his head, standing up, and and all Curry did was just walk up to him, boom, left hook over, knocked him clean out. You know, that was a time you should never have let that fight go. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy Hearns against Iran Barkley the first time. Hearns was literally not standing. Richard Steele was holding him up, yeah. you know, to try to prop him up after Barkley landed that shot. Yeah. And then and then he got dusted again. I mean, but you're for people saying, yeah, because of the hometown ref, they do allow these guys more leeway to continue. So that is something. You know, when you're the A-side and you're fighting in your your hometown, Actually, I don't think he's the A side. I think I think Lara was the A side. Uh, from DeZone's point of view, I would have to say that. But um, fighting in his hometown, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt every time. So people, you know, have to be aware of that. It's like one team in the NFL playing on a hundred and fifty yard field, and the other guy, the other team playing at a sixty yard field. Sometimes there there are these things that happen in boxing. So. Um, that's, that's about it, Mike. I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. And then, um, you know, in the future, we got a lot of good fights coming up. I mean, a lot. And I, I sent you those odds for, uh, uh, um, Zerto Ramirez versus, uh, Rosado. Oh, God. He opened up as an, an 18 to 1 favorite. 18 to 1. That's a large favorite. He should be about 100 to 1. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Rosado is going to get hurt in this fight. Completely agree. Because Zerto's not a huge. He's not like a devastating puncher. He's going to get you out with one shot. He's going to punish you and break you down. And he's a 220-pound man naturally walking around against a little guy like Gabe Rosado. I stood like Gabe Rosado, and he's a small guy. Yep. I have no guy. idea how he's going to hold up against this man. Have no idea. I mean, he like again, like next to me, he's like a like a midget weight. I mean, it's <laughs> and Zerto, we're about the same height, six six three ish, 200 pounds. I I just. I just really fear for this guy's safety. He's a tough guy, but I think his management's putting him in over his head. This is a big, big man that just is unrelenting with his punches. So maybe they'll pull out, but if not, I'll be betting, you know, 18 large to get that, to get that grin. Cause there's, there's no way, you know, he can, he can win that fight. There's no chance. And these are the types of fights that we're being forced to pay for, you know, yep. and it's just not good not a good look so mike thanks for the uh the early breakdown of the zone and you know us boxing fans were taking it man i mean it's the most expensive sport to watch yeah. and yet they call it a poor man's sport yes. while golf and tennis right you don't have to pay for it <laughs> you know those are like the rich man's sports and i i love those sports believe me i do and i know i have a lot of friends that do they'll ne- they never pay anything to watch them that's a great point but we have to pay to watch boxing but but boxing is a poor man's sport but yeah you have to be Rockefeller to afford watching it, unfortunately. So that that's about it, Mike. So All right, good stuff, have brother. A good one. You too. Will do. Yeah, some great points there by Thad. I mean, that it's a perfect summation. Um, boxing is a poor man's sport. I mean, most of the practitioners of the sport are, are poor. Most of the fans are poor, working class, if you will. If you don't like the word poor, working class, okay? And uh, you certainly... <laughs> they're not charging working class prices. That's for damn sure. 
Uh, Sam with a super chat. Before I, I'm going to take one more call, guys. I'm going to take Nacho's call here. Then we're going to bounce. We'll be going for an hour and a half. But I want to get a couple of these super chats real quick, and then we'll get uh, Nacho on the line. So I apologize because there's a bunch of you on hold. I'm not going to get to all you guys today. Uh, Sam says, uh, thank you, Sam, for the super chat. He says, Lars should not give Josh the Ram Warrington a title shot. He will use his head to cut him and get away with it. Not worth it. Fight Wood again. I agree with you, Sam, and apparently it's contractually mandated. As long as Wood's side wants it, and I do believe that they will want it because it's 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 a payday. It's probably going to be uh, a big payday for them because the first fight was good, and because of the stoppage, there's some controversy there, right? Controversy sells. I think that um, they could go right back to Nottingham and do it again. And it, and it will do well for them. So um, I think they're going to do that rematch. I, I agree with you. All right. Uh, we got one from Anthony Santiago. Thanks again, Ant. He says, why is there a rematch clause for every damn title fight? Not saying I don't want a rematch, but it seems like every single title fight has that clause. Yeah, this is the era of the rematch clause. There are. And what, what's crazy about a lot of the rematch clauses, man, is they're one way. When you're the A side, you could go into a fight and say, well, we're going to do a rematch if I lose. But if I beat you, no rematch. That's what a lot of these rematch clauses have. Uh, it's not like it goes both ways and it's 50-50. Pretty one-sided a lot of times. And, you know, they call it leverage. That's another buzzword that's out there now in the ethos, the boxing ethos. Leverage. That's the new one. That's Leverage is the new lineal, right? It's out there. Um, but that's what they call it. That's what they call it. Sarah Lechak with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. She says, keep up the amazing work. Thank you very much. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. We appreciate you. All right. Let's go to uh, let's go to Nacho. We're going to get one more call, guys, so then we're, we're going to get out of here. All right? Nacho, 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 man. What's up? How you doing, bro? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Not much. Um. So since, like you said, the undercards were not all that great on either one, I am pretty much just going to talk about the main event for both of those cards. Um, as far as uh, Wood, um, like you said, Mike, he, he was boxing beautifully. I honestly had that fight 4-2 to two for Wood before he ended up getting uh, stopped by Lara. I thought he was giving Lara fits. And the one thing that they they allowed uh, Wood, and and I kind of expected it because, you know, he was fighting in England, so I figured the refs would give him a little more leeway, was every time Lara tried to get on the inside and land um, body shots and any kind of headshot, Wood was allowed to just grab and maul uh, Lara on the inside. And you could see that that was kind of frustrating Lara, that he wasn't allowed to work on the inside and that's why he was kind of getting a little um overly aggressive from mid-range and the outside trying to throw kind of semi wild hooks and uh wild uh uppercuts and and uh right hands from the outside the only thing he kind of did that i was um a little bit surprised that he did consistently was jab at wood and was able to land that jab consistently to set up his other shots yeah, And so I think that kind of made Wood leery enough to where I think he was waiting um, probably for something 
that, uh, you know, he was expecting. And when they tried to throw, you know, like you said, they both threw the left hook at the same time. The only difference was Lara threw his very um, short and compact, whereas Woods kind of looked like it was a semi-looping hook that put him right in the middle of Lara's shot, and boom, he nailed him right on the button, dropped him. And I honestly don't have a, a problem, Mike, with the fact that uh, Davidson stopped the fight. I thought it was a really good call. But the thing, my issue, Mike, is just um, the double standard that uh, fans have sometimes when it comes to guys being hurt and either being allowed or not allowed to continue. Um, why is it that when guys are allowed to continue and then the opponent basically lays them the hell out, then they want to sit there and bitch about, oh, they should have never let that guy keep right. fighting. They should have stopped it as soon as he was hurt. Yeah. But then uh, in a situation like this, a guy is legitimately hurt. He doesn't know like what's going on. He's having trouble recovering his um, legs, and the corner sees it. And then the corner throws in the towel and they stop it. And then the fans want to be like, oh, you, you deserve to give them the benefit of a doubt. Well, which one is it? You can't have it both ways. Right. Either you allow guys to, to go on and get the, the hell beat out of them or get laid out, or you stop it early to save a guy. Like, it can't be both ways. I think sometimes fans are just too overly critical about when a stoppage is good and when a stoppage is, is a bad stoppage. And, and I think that's just, it's ridiculous. You, you can't win if you're the trainer um, either way. And I think Davidson um, made the right call, and I, I don't blame him for, for having thrown in the towel and saved wood uh, to allow him to, you know, come back and fight another day. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Hovhannisian uh, Nary fight, man, that was a hell of a war. Um, credit to both guys. They both brought it. I mean, I figured there was going to be a really good fight because uh, Hovhannisian is never in a bad fight. And Nary, for the most part, other than the last couple of years where he's been a very so-so fighter at best, I kind of had a feeling he was going to come motivated for this fight because of the fact that, um, you know, in a way, his ability to get another big fight was on the line. If he didn't perform well, he was just going to be another guy at that point, even if he if he wins uh, by decision or, you know, or if it's a lackluster performance, I don't think there's a bunch of guys lining up to fight him. But now with this fight, I think he kind of earned himself a couple of, you know, bigger uh, fights. Does he get the winner of Inouye Fulton? I'm not so sure, Mike. I think whoever wins that fight probably tries to unify the division first before they they end up uh, fighting uh, somebody else. So most likely what's going to happen is Nary's going to end up fighting for a vacant belt against somebody else, which, I mean, I'm not completely surprised if that ends up happening. But at the same time, though, um, the way he looked on Saturday, even though he, he was good enough to beat uh, Hovhannisian, he doesn't beat um, Fulton or, or Inouye, in my opinion. I think he, he loses to either guy, whoever would be the guy that fights him regardless. Um, and then. Um, real quick tidbit on the Jake Paul card, Mike. I could care less about that card. The only fight on that card that's somewhat intriguing is that co-main event with uh, Makabu and Badu Jack. I'm kind of curious to see how Badu Jack looks against a guy who's a legit cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. 
And if he ends up beating McAboo, then he becomes another player at Cruiserweight. He puts his yeah. name in the hat to kind of make some, some big fights there against uh, Opataya and, and uh, Coley and whoever else is out there in, in the division. So I, I'm interested in watching that fight before I'm interested in watching uh, Jake Paul and uh, Tommy Fury fight, to yeah. be honest with you. And and uh, the uh, Showtime card, Mike, I think that fight, to be honest, is going to be a really, I think it's going to be a sneaky good fight between uh, Matias and Ponce. I think both of those guys are going to be hungry and they're both going to want to come in and win that title and put themselves in the mix for bigger fights. Um, honestly, though, with, with Ponce, Mike, I would say this. We didn't know who um, Roman Villa was last month when he beat Rashidi Ellis, mm-hmm. and he was just some tough Argentinian dude that they brought in who they thought was going to lose. So, I mean, I would I would say that there's a good chance that maybe uh, Ponce ends up being the same kind of fighter as Villa, just a tough, rugged guy who's going to come in there to fight and isn't going to go away. And Matias has never been in a bad fight um, as, I, as long as I've seen him. So I think it should be a good fight. Um, what do you think about Jamal James coming back on that card after such a long layoff? Do you think that he could become a, a player again at 47, Mike? Or is he just a guy that's just kind of treading water at this point in the division? For me, he's just another guy. Yeah, like I was never that high on Jamal James anyway. I think he was more so a product of matchmaking. He just didn't. He just doesn't have that elite level to him. And um, yeah, I I saw he was on that card, but yeah, to me, he's just another guy. Mm, okay, cool. All right, my well, that that's my call. Um, are you gonna do a Friday wrap up at some point? I'm soon, not sure or? yet. Um, I at some point, okay. yeah, but I, I'm not sure. But yeah, we're gonna. I just, you know, I don't know if there's enough going on right now, dude. I mean, the schedule is going to get strong again. It will. But right now, do we need to do a wrap-up for uh, for Paul Fury? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> so I, I don't know, no, dude. I don't, but, yeah, at some point, me. when the schedule yeah. gets hot again, of course. Of course. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, hopefully you'll do one before the uh, zoo uh, Harrison fight for mm. sure in a couple weeks. Okay. I definitely would like to do. I'd like to see you do one then. Okay. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, I'll talk to you next week then. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right, man. You too. There he goes. There he goes. We got uh, another super chat from Aunt Santiago. Thank you so much. It says, "Why does Eddie Hearn keep bringing up Pacquiao versus Conor Ben? Is he really Eddie? Jesus Christ. <sighs> no." No! If he's bringing that, if he really wants to do that, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that yet. But if he really wants to do that, damn, that's bad. That, that's just, that's just bad. No, I really have no interest in seeing that. All right, guys. On that note, uh, I hope you enjoyed my rant, my 40-minute-long rant about the zone. And uh, some great calls today. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful week. And I'll see you guys again soon. Peace.